This morning we continue, <clears throat> as Mark said, in Acts chapter 14. Uh, and if you forgive me, I'll reuse the acronym ACTS, the Adventures of Christ through the Spirit, or the Adventures of Christians through the Spirit. Acts chapter 14. Let's just pause and just pray a moment. Father, thank you for this moment in all of our lives when here we are with a degree of health being able to freely worship and praise you and hear your word. Lord, I pray, please calm our hearts and our minds. Please open our hearts and our minds. Please help us, Lord, help me to hear what you are saying to me and to us. Oh God, please encourage us. Please inspire us. Please feed us that we might live lives that bring you great glory. Father, I ask this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> well, on the surface, we can easily see what's happening in Acts chapter 14. We see a pattern of behavior, God's pattern, to grow his church, indeed to grow us. And what do they do? Well, they speak. They speak. For them, for Paul and Barnabas, it's never a question to speak or not to speak. And it's never a question for God whether he should speak or not speak. In the beginning, what happened? God spoke the word and the creation came into being. In John's Gospel, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's never a question for these guys, followers of God, to not speak. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Mark reminded us, you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? He speaks or she speaks. You'll be my witnesses, Jesus said, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Caboture and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, even to Ireland. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Patrick. <clears throat> Verse 1. At Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and they spoke. Verse 3, they remained a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. Verse 8, at Lystra there was a man who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked, and he listened to Paul speaking. Verse 15 to 17, men, why are you doing these things? We bring you good news. Verse 21, they had preached the gospel to that city. Verse 25, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. Are we convinced that these guys spoke? 
Amen. They were speakers. And so I want to say that it's an absolute, non-negotiable bedrock principle and truth that we speak the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. I get the honor of speaking this morning. I get the honor of walking on streets and annoying people and speaking to them about Jesus. You might have the great honor of talking to your children about Jesus. You might have the great honor of just sharing in your workplace and talking and speaking about Jesus. It's the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me, said Jesus. Now as you're going, make disciples and baptize them and teach them everything that I've taught you. <coughs> Acts 1, be my witnesses. It's the commission from Jesus. It is a command from Jesus. It is, isn't it, our greatest honor and privilege, isn't it? Is it for you? Is it for me? Well, what happens when you speak the good news? Or should I say, what could happen? What should happen? What might happen? At least three things from God's word here. Three things happened at least when Paul and Barnabas spoke in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby and Perga and all over Cyprus. One, they had success. Yay! Yes! I want some of that. Do you want some of that? I'm being a bit Pentecostal here. Yay! We want success. We want good outcomes. They had opposition. Not so good. I'm not sure if I want the opposition, thanks. Can I just have the first and not the second? Can I have just success and not opposition? They had success, they had opposition, and they had division. Wonderful. They have success. There is a great outcome. Verse 1, a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Wow! Yes! Yes! Paul goes, yes. Barnabas goes, yes. We have great outcomes. Many people believe when we speak. Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel in that city and had made many disciples, not just believers, but people who followed Jesus and wanted to follow him, and loved him, and they were disciples. That's what we are. Great outcomes. That's what we want, isn't it? But they also had opposition. Verse 2, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Oh, hold on. We spoke, somebody else is speaking, we spoke good news of Jesus and eternal salvation and not hell, and now somebody else is speaking a different message and poisoning their minds. Verse 5, an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers 
to mistreat them and stone them. What? Verse 19. Please listen, and I know you are. Help me to listen, Lord. What actually happened to Paul? But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Hands up to go with Paul on the next journey. Thank you, Sue. I'm with Sue. Sadly, I have actually, on YouTube or whatever, seen a woman being stoned to death. The crowds don't mess around. They're not pebbles. They hated Paul, or somebody hated Paul, and they belted him with rocks on his face, his head, his arm. Uh -uh. They weren't messing around. <laughs> and they dragged him outside the city because he's dead. Success. Opposition. Division. Verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. What to do? What to do? What did they do? Wonderfully, they persevered. Verse 3. Even though there was a stirring and a poisoning, it then says, you know, we've got opposition here. And then it says these beautiful words. We've got opposition here, Barnabas. What are we going to do? What do you think, Paul? Let's talk to God. Let's pray. Oh, I think, I think, yeah, let's remain for a long time here. Wow. They remained for a long time, even though there was opposition and division. And they spoke boldly, it says, for the Lord. You know, it's an, it's an absolute non-negotiable bedrock principle truth that we speak the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let me pause for a moment and ask, did you get the memo? Did you get the text this week from Jenny and Mark and me? Did, did you get your emails this week? You know, did you bring along your spades, shovels, buckets, picks and forks and kango hammers? Anyone bring them? You didn't get the memo? Well, I would like us now to get out our spades, our shovels, our picks, and start digging and go deeper and to ask some questions. What's really going on here? How did they have such success, such amazing outcomes? How can I? How can you? How on earth does this apply to me in my life here in Caboolture at the ends of the earth? And why, why, why is there such poisonous and violent opposition? What on earth is going on in this world? They speak. They have success. There is opposition. There is division. And they persevere. They speak boldly and faithfully, and they persevere courageously, speaking faithfully 
and courageously the Word, the infallible, authoritative, inspired Word of God about Jesus Christ, which makes the difference between eternal salvation with all my sins taken away and eternal hell with all my sins and all the wrath of God. Liam, Lord, is there anything else happening here? And I want to suggest that there really is. What's going on here? What's really happening? I want to suggest to you that then and now there is an unseen spiritual dynamic at work all around us. Welcome, Joy. Welcome, Aaron. We miss you, Kevin. Right now in this room, in our lives, there are unseen forces at work in Kabulture, and the world is filled with unseen forces. Can you see them? I can't. I know of one man who had it could, but let's let's dig a bit deeper. In in Acts chapter fourteen, eight to ten, listen to what happened. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and he began walking. Well, when I went to Bible school, I, I never I, I must have missed out on that one of how to look intently at a person and see if they've got faith to believe or faith to be healed. Maybe I just need to practice looking intently at people and then something might happen and I'd be able to see and then I could say, that person has faith to be healed. Jump up! Well, Paul did it. Paul looked intently at him and he said in a loud voice, imagine that, stand up. And the guy kind of, oh, I don't know, oh, I don't know. No, it says he sprang up. Like an Irish chicken, he sprang up. Whoa! Where have we heard that before? Peter and John went to pray. They met a layman on the way. He asked them for alms and held out his hands. And this is what Peter did say. Silver or gold have I not, but what I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went leaping and dancing and praising God, walking and dancing and praising God. See, I should go back to school, shouldn't I? Well, you know, this wasn't the only time that Paul looked intently at somebody. 
Last week, Mark was looking at Mark chapter 13, or Mark, Acts chapter 13. And look with, for, for a minute, Mark 13, 6 to 12. I'll try and read quickly. So this is Paul. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island of Cyprus, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith, but Saul, who was also called Paul, it's the first time this happens, Saul, who was also called Paul, guess what happened next? Filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked intently at him. He looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all unright of righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold that the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind. Oh my goodness. Paul looked intently at him. Paul looked intently at him. And what's going on here, without any doubt, there is a supernatural dynamic at work in Paul and through Paul. Saul to Paul. He's known as Saul. It's a Hebrew word. It means asked for or prayed for. The word Paul, which we now know him as, Paul is a Latin word, and guess what it means? Paul means small or little. Small Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did John the Baptist say? He said about Jesus, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. I must become small that Jesus might become enormous. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently. We need to look. We need to look into the eyes of each other. I love babies and little children. They just look at you. They don't blink. They just look. They've got no protection. And they just drink in and receive. And you can see the innocence and the beauty. And now we meet people. and Or you look into people's eyes and you do see something. I think there's a truth when they say that the eyes are the windows of the soul. 
And Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. Jesus is saying, if you want to speak for me and be a witness for me, you can do it, but it really helps if I help you, if I empower you by the Spirit. Listen to Paul praying for the Ephesian Christians. And, and can I just say, and, and this is something I'm only learning, that if you want to learn how to pray, read the prayers of Jesus. Read the prayers of Paul. Read the prayers of David, of Moses, of Abraham. But please read, for homework I'm giving you, I'm being a teacher now, read Ephesians chapter 4, Chapter 3, can't do two things at one time. Focus, Liam. Chapter 3, verses 14 to 9. This is Paul praying for Christians, and he's praying for you. He prayed for you and me. It's, it's a bit long, but let me get through it. This is a prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength, the power, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh my Lord! Are you serious? Paul, you prayed for an Irishman. You prayed for Sue and Jim. You prayed for Jason and Julie. You prayed for Peter and You prayed all those years ago that we might be, those of us who know the Lord, would be filled with all the fullness of God that every part of my life and your life would be filled with the knowledge of the extent of God's love for you in Christ. Wow. By the way, can I say, that's a prayer I pray for my wife, myself, my kids, their partners, my grandchildren. I pray it for Mark. I pray it for the session. I hope you will pray it for me. Please pray for Mark. Please pray for Liam. We need your help. We need your prayers to speak. It is an absolute, non-negotiable, bedrock truth that we speak the Word of God, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's an absolute, non-negotiable, bedrock truth that we speak and think and act and live and love and work and study, and wash the dishes, and die. Filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the knowledge of the extent of his love for us, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
I have a Mac Air laptop computer. It's six years old. And for months now, many, many weeks, it, it prompts me, and I hope we're being prompted this morning, my computer prompts me and it says, software update, upgrade now. What the heck? What am I going to do with this thing? Software update, upgrade now. I need a software update. It'll probably run better. It'll probably work quicker or more effectively or get better outcomes. I don't know. But I, it says to do it, so I should try and do it. And I tried it, and I just kept couldn't get it right. Software update, upgrade now. Click button, and then the next message comes up. Liam, your disk does not have enough free space. <laughs> Liam, your disk does not have enough free space. Now, between here and here, there's not a lot of space. Your disk does not have enough free space. Updating requires 16.93 gigabytes of disk space. Wow. Brothers and sisters and friends, many of us, if not all of us, I pray, are receiving a prompt. You do not have enough free space for the fullness of God. Liam, you do not have enough free space for the fullness of God. Your mind, your heart, your life is so filled with the worries of this world, the distractions of the world's trinkets, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, and even religious duties, that there is simply no room in you or perhaps even in the desire in you, to be filled with all the fullness of God. Strong words. I believe they are true. Because I know that in much of my life, they're absolutely true about me. On my phone at night, I open it up, and I press the button, it says, do not disturb. And so often in my life, I press a button in my heart that says, God, thanks for saving me. Thanks for the ticket. I'm going to go to heaven. My sins are forgiven. Now, please stop disturbing me. I've got my things to do, my agenda, my money to make, my boat to sail, my caravan to, my kids, my life, my agenda. Me, 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 me. Do not disturb. I don't want to be woken up. And if that's true of me and much of my life, and by God's grace, I'm actually an elder in this church, I suspect that perhaps it's true of you. That there's no room at the inn to be filled with the fullness of God. Paul said, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up. Then they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out, dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and he entered the city. What a nutter. Paul, are you serious? They just killed you. 
I near enough killed you. Where are you going? Going back into the city. Wow. And in chapter 14, verse 3, when Paul and Barnabas were speaking, it says in God's word that God granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands, witnessing to his word. Signs and wonders. Whoa. Signs and wonders. I have never... I, God saved me at the age of 25. I'm, I'm 62 now. I'm nearly 63. 63. 63. I have never in my life witnessed a true miracle of healing. I've heard lots of people, their elbows get better, their pain here, you know, and I thank God if that is all true. But I've been in churches where they believed and wanted sign and wonders, and I just kept looking at the little boy in the wheelchair from birth, intellectually, physically, and I looked at Robert, this old guy who had a terrible motorbike accident in his wheelchair, and I thought, Father God, when those guys jump up and spring up, I'm just going to say hallelujah. They never got out of their wheelchairs. Do I believe in signs and wonders? Of course I do. Because although I've never seen a miracle of healing, I've seen a dead man raised to life. I've seen a dead man raised to eternal life. And you are looking at him. Before God saved me, I was full of all the sins you can imagine. They were all in me. I was dead in my sins, dead in trespasses, dead to God, dead and hell-bound with all my sins. I was a dead man walking until I heard somebody had the courage to speak the gospel of Jesus. And God granted us eternal miracle and he raised me to life. And I was born again when I believed and understood that Jesus is the Son of God. He knows me. He loves me. He died on the cross. His blood was shed for me to pay for my sins. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And when I heard those words in a Pentecostal church with a guy I didn't like his style, when that guy said, Jesus is alive, I was alive. I was minding my own business and God saved me. I was minding my own business, never intending to become a Christian, and God overlooked that and saved me. I've seen dead women raised to life. I want to see more. Don't you? But unfortunately, there's also a negative and a dark side to the spiritual dynamic that is all around us. In chapter 13, verse 10, going back to that poor chap, Elymas, it says, let uh, me flick back, chapter 13. So remember Paul and Elymas, the magician. Paul says to him, you son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Or more literally, what Paul said is this, O oh, full, O oh, full of all deceit and all craft, son of the devil, 
enemy of all and all righteousness. Will you not stop perverting the ways of the Lord? In Lystra, Paul comes to Lystra. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He heals a beggar. Everybody sees it. He preaches a wonderful message about the goodness of God to them. And what do they do? They idolize Paul. They want to worship Paul like Paul is God. And a few days later, they listen to a different voice and they stone him to death. How on earth do you explain that? There is a dark side. Small Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. The magician is filled with deceit. There is a holy and demonic spiritual forces at war in this world. Even in this room now. Even in some of us here. Holy and demonic spiritual forces at war. Jesus said it like this. John chapter 10 verse 10. It's the foundational verse of the missionary organization we were involved in in China. This is what God gave to a young Englishman when he took him to China to care for disabled and abandoned children. Jesus said, and he says to us today, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life in all its abundance. The enemy comes, the Lord Jesus Christ comes. The spiritual battle continues. Saul and Paul, now Paul and Barnabas, have been on the road for probably months and months. And it all began, how did it all begin? It all began in Acts chapter 13, last week as Mark brought us through it. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Let me just read it briefly as I come to a close. Back in 13. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And then, after fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them off. It all began with worship and prayer and fasting. And then they sailed to Cyprus. All the boat people here said, Amen. They sailed to Cyprus. They went through the whole island of Cyprus speaking, then to Perga and Antioch, Iconium, Lystra and Derby. What was happening back in Antioch? It doesn't say. Can I tell you what was happening? I think what was happening was, I'm not really interested in Saul and Barnabas, you know, we're, they're gone. That's not what they said. I suggest to you that day after day, they never stopped praying and fasting and worshipping God and saying, Oh God, Saul, he's such a mouth. Barnabas, at least, he's encouraging. These guys have no hope. 
unless you help them, unless you fill them with your presence, Lord. They've got no hope out there. And they prayed and fasted and they worshipped God. Because the work requires the fullness of God's Spirit. It all began with worship and prayer and fasting. And then what happened at the end? We read in Acts chapter 14 and verses 21 to 23. Read with me, 21 to 23. Trying to find it here. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of disciples. Amen. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. Amen. And saying, listen to this. Here's honesty for you in the God's word. And saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We must go through many troubles before we enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, they appointed elders, it says, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. With prayer and fasting, they prayed for them. And when they had appointed elders from in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They began with worship, prayer, and fasting, and they finished with prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Dear Father, it is such, such an honor to speak the Word of God. It's such an honor to love you to know you, to cherish you, to delight in you. Holy Spirit, help us learn how to love you, how to cherish you, how to delight in you, how to speak, so that you will bring success, so that you will open a door of faith, so that you will save people, so that you will grant signs and wonders if you want to. Lord, help us to worship you, to fast, to pray, and to speak the word of God filled with all the fullness of God. Amen.